This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Hey, hey, we are back uh, for another edition of the Ask Bros on Thursday night. Um, there were some of us who uh, thought yesterday was Thursday and maybe organized a podcast and then sat in a very, very quiet room by themselves for a while, vigorously messaging everyone saying, I'm here by myself. Is anyone around? Um, but needless to say, the... Uh, the day today is the right day. Um, and we're back, as always. I'm joined by Darren, the Delhi Gooner. I'm joined by Scunny Mike. Uh, and we're going to have a random chat about shit. We might chat a bit of shit about the game. We might chat a bit of shit about something else. I don't really know what we got to do. But one thing I do know, boys, one thing I do know is that we got a point. And I've entitled this podcast A Dirty Point. Because for me, this feels like Arsenal were out in the club, right? And the night was getting on and the lager was flowing and there were a few shots going about and we were on the pool, but we couldn't get it done. And the, the end of the nightclub is, is coming up and the bouncers were going to kick us out. And we smashed and grabbed, boys. We grabbed the nearest fat bird we could find and we made sure that at least we came away with something. And that dirty, filthy point, boys, that dirty, filthy point is that fat Polish bird called Agatha. And she might put her finger in our ass and we might not like it, but at least we came away with something. Follow that, Mike. <laughs> such, such a way with words. Such a way with words. I, do you, you know, know what? I've still turned up. Giving your prostate a little tickle. Yeah, you, you know these stories, these these quotation mark analogies come from an area of truth, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I think I didn't want to do And what do you think about our smash and grab? Finger in the bum? Yes? No? Uh, not necessarily a finger in the ass, but there was definitely a ball tickle there, I think, in all fairness. It was, uh... Yeah, because it wasn't, cause it it wasn't was... a... It wasn't, like, a, brilliant on, game. On, it wasn't a brilliant game to watch, to be honest. I thought we were played very poor. I thought Brighton were the better team. Uh, but in the, in the sense of, I think it was a good, well-earned point. You know, I'm not discriminating that. I thought we, we played well enough or defended well enough to get uh, to grab a point out of it. Darren, finger in the bum. I feel like I'm on arse porn. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've got the wrong channel here. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. Can I ask you both the question? Um, because now I wasn't happy. Last week, I really uh, dug out who was it, why not was on, and I was really digging him out for being negative, and everyone was negative, and I saw the messages again, Cronky out, Arteta out. That was on the back of three wins, uh, beating that lot down the road. I couldn't be happier. There's times to be miserable. There's times to moan. And last week wasn't one of them, so I've got no time for people. However, after watching us at the weekend, I've got a question for you both. After being outplayed this season by Brentford, Chelsea, Manchester City, Burnley, and now Brighton, is my optimistic attitude of competing at the top end of the table 
just delusional. <laughs> let me uh, let me tee this one up, Mike, and get the driver out. I always thought that a certain amount of your optimism was delusional, but last week and after the last three wins, because I guess you always look at games in blocks, right? And you had to get through that period, had to get through that, um, had to get through that block to be able to get to this game, you know, Norwich, Burnley, Tottenham. And I, my optimism was up. And this game didn't necessarily leave me with a, a complete and total degradation of my optimism. It actually left me where I had said I thought we were a, a couple of weeks ago and where I said I thought we were last week, which was that I thought we had one specific way of playing and that this Arsenal team, particularly when faced with having to change the game in state, having to change the way, the state of the game in in inside the, the bounds of the game, I, I think that we struggle. And if you look at those games, I don't agree that we got outplayed by Burnley. And I said that to you on the day. I just, I just thought that that was a Burnley game. I actually thought that that was quite a good result because it's Burnley and they come out to make it messy and dirty. Hang on, hang on. Let me, before you just wander off and off and off, let me just say, look, we, we, it was a smash and grab. You know, they had more shots than us. They had more possession than us. This is Arsenal against a team at the bottom yeah, of the, the division. Thing is, Darren, That's the point. To... Them and Norwich, uh, uh, the two teams we've beaten, you know, yeah, are, you're going to have to win those. And we were, got... we were better than Norwich, but we weren't better than Burnley. So, yeah. you know, we were outplayed by most of those sides. We but you're going to have to win those games regardless. So for me, if you do look at the positives, you look at the upsides of actually going and getting a smash and grab, you know, going in and pulling an Agatha in the nightclub in the 90th minute. And yes, you got a finger in the bum, but also you didn't go home alone, Darren. And I think that's the important thing for Arsenal this year. At no point can we go home alone, you know, and if that's a pointer, if that's a 90 minute, a is what it is. So, was your optimism misplaced at the start of the season? Yes, because I don't think we're as good as what some people would like to think we are. But equally, I do not think we're as bad as people like me thought we were at the start of the season when I was saying 8th and ninth. No, I, I agree with that. And, uh, you know, not only has Agatha stuck a finger up the arse, she's uh, raided your wallet as well by the sounds of it. So, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I got robbed, robbed by a Russian girl, not a, a Polish girl. That's a different story. <laughs> well, we'll not, we'll not get into the Ivan then. Um, but uh, it's obviously with Burnley, yeah, it was a bit of a snatch and grab. I was at that game. And, you know, these games you do have to win. Um, you know, Burnley, although they're not technical and as good as what the top-end top, top end teams are, they'll love a fight. You know, so you're in that fight for the trying to win win the game. Uh, and we always come up a bit of a trouble. So we've never lost at Burnley, I think, ever since since they've been in the Premier League. So that's always a good thing. And keep that record going is good. But to go back to the Brighton game, you know, they're playing very well at the minute. And um, with them, the you know, there was the they're at the top of the you know they're near the top of the table at the moment. You know, they're playing really good football. And going to Brighton on a horrible, horrible night. Where it's absolutely slinging it down with rain, uh, you know, half of our players. I'm not having it. Oh, it's raining, so our players can't no, play I'm not football. saying it's that. It's England. It's England. I'm not it's saying gonna, that. Yeah, but it's going to be windy. What it's happened? Why am I more positive than you? What's going on? 
But no, I'm just yeah, I know what you're saying is England, but you got to look at a lot of these players that didn't play very well in the game. Like I, I, I pointed out, Tommy Asu has not been a very who didn't play very well. I thought he got outnumbered quite a lot on the on the uh, right hand Tommy side. Tommy Asu, Party, Erdegaard, Saka. There was a whole list of them. Can't we play these players in the wet weather then? Well, you know, it's, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, uh, Tommy Asu is only a young lad. He's come from Italy. He's probably never seen rain. You know, especially mm. like that. So we, you know, it's and not only that. He come up against a good, uh, good opposition, and I can't. If it is, is it Kokoraku? I can't remember his name now. The yeah, who was who won, who won the man of the match? Scanning yeah, Kokoraku. He was fucking definitely. good. And yeah. he was he was doing really well. So, you know, it's it's not. I'm not blaming the weather at all. I'm just I'm just pointing out. You know, that you know, you have to take these little factors in. And not only that, they had a lot more shots than us. None of them hit the target. You know, and we've got it's it's just one of them things isn't it you know sometimes you're going to get these games in the league you can't go out and be really skeptical well not skeptical but stupid believing you're going to come out of every game with a win you can't think that all the time you know you can't go to places like brighton and burnley and norwich and you know crystal palace for instance you know you can't oh yeah you can't always come out come out there and say you're going to come out with a win every single game. You're not. It's not always going to happen. Sometimes you're going to get that shitty ball draw, which we got, uh, but it was a well hard-fought draw, and I thought we did well in that sort of sense. Yeah, we could have done better. I'm not saying it's without its faults against Brighton, but, you know, it's to come out of it with a draw, we, we got hammered throughout the game. Uh, there was only points in the game where I thought Arsenal were the, were the better team, you know, but it wasn't throughout the match. It's just the way it is sometimes. You've just got to take it as it comes. Darren, do you think that your optimism has been completely misplaced or are you just being a fucking downer dragging the whole room down? I love it, Darren. I just watch the game. I just think we're Arsenal Football Club. I want us to be challenging for the top four. And and at the moment, we've we've got two victories against the two bottom teams at the table. We've been outplayed by Brentford away where it was windy. And we got outplayed by Brighton when it was raining. Do you know... This team, man for man, is better. This team is man for man better than those players at Brighton and Brentford. These are teams that we have to be beating and beating comprehensively if we're going to get back to where we want to be at the pinnacle of, of English and European football. Now, I know there's a there's a long road, and I'm the one who's saying I'm excited about these young players, but I also look at that and look at that, and so many of those players had off days. So many of those players didn't turn up at the weekend, and we hung on and were lucky to get a point at a team that is going to end up in the bottom six or seven in the table. Yeah, look... I, I did think about this stuff a lot after the game, and there's two, two kind of main points that I bought out of the game. First one being that uh, the three times that we've been really heavily dominated this year, we've been dominated by teams who have played three at the back. And mm. um, so dominated at Brentford, three at the back, we didn't go man to man. Dominated at Chelsea, three at the back. We didn't go man-to-man, dominated last week, three at the back. We didn't go man-to-man. And we always, at every point in that game, looked like we were a man short in midfield. And at every point in that game, we looked like we were trying to play a style of football from front to back, which is very, very unlikely to happen when you've got so much of the centre of the pitch crowded. Now, this doesn't surprise me because last year, if you were doing your coaching and you were doing your, your scouting and you were putting together your team play for Arsenal you would have said, grab the box and push them out wide 
they'll do fucking nothing with it and get very, very pressy on them in their own half and try and push them back or cut off the passing line, cut off the passing lanes to their midfield because they don't have anyone to hit. They've got no one that it's going to stick to. And it brings me to my kind of second point, which is I'm not so sure that every single week, the the conversation that we have every single week is so player-based it's always player based. It's always this guy played well or this guy didn't play All right, well. Well, let's let's go to the manager then. Let's go to the manager, which is if, where, the, which is where the, I wanted to go. Okay, well, let me just uh, just butt in and say, if the opposition mark Ben White, does that stop our press? And that, do we not have the ability within the team or on the sidelines to change things rather than just belting the ball upfield to three six foot twenty uh, centre defenders? <laughs> do you know. That was what it was. Mark Ben White, we can't play out from the back, so let's kick it long. And they've got three huge defenders to mop up everything, and then they won the second ball. That was obvious from 10 minutes into the game. Is this team smart enough to actually change their tactics at any time in the game? Because I wanted that game to end after 20 minutes. It was it was not looking good after 20 minutes. It needed some changes. It needed something different. And that's all they did. Their press was centred around stopping Ben White getting the ball, put two men on him, uh, and then we'd have to kick it long. We'll soak up the ball with our big defenders and then we're back on the attack again. We didn't change that for 90 minutes. I don't think that Arteta at this stage in his coaching career, the word I would use is, I don't think that he's particularly agile. I don't think he's an agile manager, someone who's reading the game state I think he's trying so hard to get everyone to play in a very specific system that he wants to play them in, that that system is actually relatively easily coached against. If you go back to the Spurs game, remember I said as soon as I saw that midfield that they put forward, I said, oh, we're on here. Because it it was so easy for our players to pull that apart. Mike, did you come out of that game like I did, not spitting chips about the players, but more just frustrated that, I, I, I think that we were outmanaged, outtacticed in this game more than anything. Yeah, definitely. Um, and can I just point out quick as well before we go, go into that is uh, why not sentiment has corrected me on uh, Cucurella. I think he said it was uh, his name. And yeah, but you like to put exactly a co- you like to put a cock in everything, did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I do tend to stick it in quite most holes. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's another story. That's another story. But anyway, but yeah, we'll go back to Arteta. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've said it and I said it all last season. Um, I've, you know, I've pretty much said it all around Arteta. He is very a one-dimensional manager or a one-dimensional tactician. He's not got a plan B. Um, like Max was saying just then a minute ago, He's very stuck in the way of he wants one thing doing, he wants one thing doing right before he looks like he's going to change things up a bit. Um, we've got it all before where he hasn't has he hasn't had the right personnel in the team to make his plan happen. We're, we've got that now, but we I don't see his plan still happening at the moment. I don't see the whole tactics around what he wants happening throughout the games where, like we said about with Burnley, Brighton, Norwich, you know, play teams like that, excuse me, it doesn't happen. And um, 
oh, what's the manager of Brighton? Graham Potts, is it? Yeah. Potter. Uh, Brighton, yeah, Graham Potter. He basically he's a well renowned manager. He's he's quite known for doing what he does. He's built that Brighton team as as they are now with these big lads, seven foot bloody centre backs and seven foot forwards or whatever he wants to have everywhere and he, he's he's got them well drilled and you can see the difference in that. Yeah, so what look, the two I'm, of you are saying then, if I can just recap, is that we've just we're unbeaten in four, one our last three, three clean sheets, and now you're complaining about the manager. Oh, fuck's sake, Darren! You're such a dick. <laughs> do you actually have any opinions, Darren, or do you just make your opinions based on the opposite of what everyone's saying on the day? I Talk about know. sticking a cock in things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, I was, I was, I was just hugely disappointed with Saturday after such a great win in the North London derby. I was really looking forward to that. I won't take excuses of weather. Weather is played by both teams. You know, it was a horrible day. You know, there's foreigners in both sides. There's there's Brits in both sides. It's uh, it, 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 you can't complain about the weather. If, if anything, that is a leveller. Um, but uh, we. You, know, we, yeah, we, you can't take away from the fact that it is definitely a factor in some cases, but I'm not blaming the weather on the whole circumstance. I'm saying it's a factor of why it probably was more of a draw than us either getting beat or we pulling off a snatch and grab and getting a 1-0 win towards the end of the game. So it's, it's definitely a factor in the game. I'm not saying it's the whole, the whole issue with the game. No, nowhere near saying that. But it definitely I mean, caused issues you know, in the game. It, it, it lends the question if, because I guess there's two there's two sides to every debate, but looking across that team and looking across across that squad, did you guys see much of a plan B? Obviously, subs came on and subs made a huge difference. But someone did point out to me as well that those subs made a huge difference after Brian. Your internet's a bit shit tonight, Max. We've lost you. You're standing there with your mouth open, like Liam used to on this podcast, uh, waiting to accept something. Uh, that's that's his sex doll face. <laughs> I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> All right, let me ask you another question while we're waiting for Max to rejoin us. Um, I did ask this question on a podcast about... Uh, I guess it was about two months. Max is back with us. I asked this question about two months um, after Thomas Party joined us. Um, is Thomas Party all that? Now I don't want to, you know, you know me. I'm a very positive man, but I, I, I've got to say, I've been watching this player. He's played what about twenty, twenty-five games for us. I know he's had injury problems. I know he's been in and out of the side, um, but I'm struggling to see what everyone is so excited about. He's had maybe three, four good games in that 25. You know, he didn't seem to settle very well in the Premier League last year. Okay, again, obviously he had injuries, which made it difficult for him to get a run in the side. But now, you know, we we bought this defensive midfielder who was going to be the the man that was going to change everything for us. But I haven't seen him play very well yet. I mean, he's had one, say, two or three good games. He was good against Tottenham. Uh, is he is he any good, or um, have we just built him up so much, and uh, sooner or later everyone's going to catch on that he's not that good? He doesn't like it here, and he'll be the next Granite Xhaka. Uh, if, if for me, I think he's been way built way up, 
built up way too much and I think that's a very thing that Arsenal fans tend to do. Um, they build up certain players way too much and then when they don't perform they seem to go downhill quite a lot. Um, he hasn't really performed very well since he's been here. He has had a few games where he's done really, really well. I think against Brighton he was out of the two, uh, which I know Laconga got more stick than what Partey did at uh, against Brighton, which I thought was unfair because I thought Partey was the worst one out of the two. I thought Laconga was the better player. Mm. Yeah, I didn't see anything. To, uh, to me, um, I've watched... Um, Sammy Laconga a few times now and I watched him in that uh, um, uh, League Cup game we had uh, against Wimbledon was it and he, he just looks like he's a natural in this league he just looks like he's a natural footballer for me you know we always have those references to, to Patrick Vieira but he's got that he's got the legs he's got some movement he's got some vision he chases box to box he's, uh, he seems to have everything I'm surprised he hasn't played more and I think he's only playing because Jack has um, out now injured but I thought he was he was one of the better players on the pitch at the weekend party and Erdegaard stunk stunk the place out yeah look I think there's on, on the on the party thing and, and I'd love to touch on on Sambi as well because I thought he was really harshly critiqued uh, when he was let down by players around him um, where was he critiqued was by the way sorry because it was this just a, a, a no, social look, media if, you, if you jump if you jump onto Twitter Darren the you know I love the the I love the the narrative that exists within Arsenal all the time within the fan base. So if you go on to the, the first thing that happens when we don't have a performance is everyone says Xhaka would have made a difference here. I said in that same style of game, Xhaka would have got a fucking card and got sent off because he was under massive pressure. Xhaka is not good under pressure. The North London derby was not a fantastic view into a Xhaka party partnership it was, but both of them were in a game state where everything was in front of them. They were in front, they were front-footed, they weren't being put under pressure. You had Ndombele picking his fucking nose and not tracking back. You had fucking uh, Deli Alley, who unless he's in the final third, does basically fucking nothing. And you had their wing-backs fucking flying up and getting drilled anyway. So it, the narrative that Xhaka somehow fixes this is garbage absolute garbage if you want to look at the the two players who really let Sambi down in that game and can I just say Sambi's recovery tackles in that game were massive the amount of times he got to boot him was absolutely massive the amount of ground that he was forced to cover was absolutely massive and he did it without getting carded and he did it without giving away a huge amount of fouls so a lot of very very clean tackles which is what you want for a defensive guy who's cleaning up the two guys who let him down most, and I'll go further forward later on in the podcast, but the two guys who let him down most were Thomas Pardy, whose touch was like fucking concrete. Now, I don't know whether that's because he had played his first full game the week before and we'd spoken about him maybe not being up to full fitness. That's the only thing that I can think because... A lot of people said he was really, really heavily pressured. They cut off his passing lanes. I'm like, yeah, fine. If you cut off his passing lanes, you cut off his passing lanes. But you don't all of a sudden end up having a really, really shit heavy touch for no reason. That's usually heavy legs. The second player who honestly, he's another Arsenal darling who's not getting any stick at the moment, but he hasn't had a good game for us this year with Kieran Tierney. 
bombing so far up the pitch and leaving so much room in behind for Sambi to go and cover that Sambi ends up pulled into this ridiculous left-back position, left-deep channel position constantly. And then you're expecting him to get up, get off his ass, make the tackle, make an intelligent ball while you've got Brighton pressing through the lines on top of him as well. So the, the whole... The whole Sambi narrative or the Xhaka would have done better in this position narrative is garbage because I'm fucking telling you we have watched enough of Granite Xhaka to know that when he is pressured, when he's put under pressure, he goes into firefighter mode. He goes into superhero mode and says, I'm going to go put that out and I'm going to go put that out. And when he gets into firefighter mode, Granite Xhaka gets into fucking card mode. Why, why are you talking about Granite Xhaka? He's out for the next three months. He's, uh, he's not playing Darren, in the game. Because that's the narrative. We've the talked too why. much about... Yeah, but but, but what's, what's Xhaka? Nobody can say if Xhaka was there, it would have been different, because Xhaka's not there. He's out for months. Let's move on. The question it's is just about... A, it is, is, I agree with Max, though. It, you know, there is a lot of narrative out there at the minute, and you know that, that was the whole thing uh, going around, and a lot of the talk was if Xhaka was playing, it would have been a different game. Just because he played well in the North London derby doesn't mean that would have been a good good game for Xhaka. I agree with Max, and I was one of the first people to say it, to say it as well. Whereas if Xhaka was playing, that would have been a red card for Xhaka uh, because he would have got so frustrated, and that's what he does. And look what happened last time he got frustrated. He two footed tackled someone and got a red card. But anyway, yeah, I agree. Let's get off the Xhaka. But um, I just wanted to point out quick what something that Max said about Kieran Tierney, and I think this is coming down to a lot of uh, the tactics from Arteta is. You know, boosting Kieran Tierney up the field a lot of the time and leaving three at the back. You know, you see, um, I thought Brighton identified that in this game and saw, you know, um, what they were doing was is putting a lot of pressure on Ben White. You know, so you've only got really two defenders. But when you're stretching, you know, Tierney's further up the pitch, he's not running back any time quickly. So what they were doing was is pushing their wide players forward Dragging out Gabriel one way, dragging out Tommy Asu the other side, and then oh, you've got his Ben White in the middle per se, and he was concentrating everything on him. So obviously, I don't think Ben White had a great game again, but he did. He didn't do too badly. But I felt like a lot of it was on him because everything was directed at him, and they they identified the fact that Ben White could have distributed a lot more in the Brighton game. And obviously he came from Brighton, so he's well known in them parts, and the manager knows him very well, uh, Graham Potter. So, you know, this is probably why they did that. And it worked out for him in some respects. And obviously I think he was very lucky that we didn't concede in this game. Mm. But that's my thing when you say about Kieran Tierney. And these are the reasons why I think Tierney's having these bad games, because he's being told to push up so much. He's being told to move the ball forward upon the left-hand side is not really that left-back that we really need at the minute. It's, it's, you know, it's being pushed forward more to be more of a left-wing-back, leaving three at the back, which is leaving us very exposed. Isn't Arteta's system, though, to um, when the left-back goes forward is to drop Granite Xhaka or whoever plays in that place back into that hole? Isn't that the way we've seen... You know, it's one of the things we've seen. I think, isn't yeah, it just but... Tierney's? Isn't it Tierney's form rather than his uh, um, the tactics that are wrong? It could be. Yeah, it probably would be a mixture of both. I, yeah, I don't. You know, I'm not going to disagree with that. It could be a mixture of two. But you can't ask a Laconga and Jacker to push left back. You know, you can't really ask them to do that. That's not really what the 
their job role would normally be. You know, Lukonga is more of a a box to box midfielder for me. He's not a defensive. You know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't call him a defensive midfielder, even though he's at the minute probably our best defensive midfielder we've got in the team at the moment. Yeah, well, but his stats it's... from his stats from Anderlecht, Mike Reed is a penetra- penetrative deep passer. So and on the much more an on the ball kind of scrapper, you know, in a partnership, not a deep lying distribution machine who's got to go and, yeah. and make tackles. And you know what? If KT was in better form, you know, and he was he was up the other end and he was providing assists, I'm sure people wouldn't be pointing the finger at him. My issue is that no one points the finger at KT because Arsenal have darlings. One very very good tweet. I wish I could remember his name who did the tweet, because I give him a shout-out, because I like it when I hear smart things. But he did put up the one thing Xhaka probably would have done is be senior enough in the team to be yelling at KT and saying to him, stop fucking leaving me, I'm getting overloaded. And for KT maybe to listen, whereas Lukonga, you know, in that team, a new young kid, probably didn't have that that drive or that ability to go and, and, and have a go at him. Just very quickly, Darren, because I realise whenever you ask a question, I don't answer the question. On the Thomas Party question about whether he's that good, I think the issue with Thomas Party is the player that people think he is, I don't think he's that player. I don't think he's a, a team leader player. I don't think he's that world-class player. I think Thomas Party is a player who is very, very good in a system that is working around him when he's deployed in the right way. And I feel that is he not, system... is he not just granite Jacker? No, 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 no. There's a lot, there's a lot more to, there's a lot more to parties, two footed, he's two directional when he's on his ceiling is much, much higher than granite Jacker. When he has played well, he does look like a world. Okay. I'm player. only going, let's, let's just take the last three months, four months. I saw granite Jacker in the Euros be one of the best players uh, in the tournament. Um, I saw him be able to play both feet. I saw him put great balls through. I saw him do everything that we want from a from a midfielder, a Thomas Party. I've watched Thomas Party over the last three months, and um, you know, if we catch the end of last season and this season, I know again not been in because of injuries, but uh, I just haven't even seen I haven't even seen anything to get excited about. You know, he had a good game against Spurs, but I think we went over the top about how good he was against Spurs because we love him. He's a darling, you know. I just yep. I'm just worried. I'm just worried that just some think, players settle into the Premier Madrid. League really quickly. He played at Atletico Madrid. He left that team. They went on to win the league. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, you know, I mean, I just saw a, a comment, I think it was from Wynott, who says, uh, it was somewhere in there, that um, Party isn't a defensive midfielder, well, or isn't a solo defensive midfielder. Well, that's what he was at Atletico Madrid. You know, he, he held that together, didn't he? Wasn't he that... Didn't he, no, he didn't I thought go he forward. was slightly more advanced at Atletico. I think they played in, I don't know if they played in a three at Atletico at the time, and I think there was him, uh, I think his name's Saul or Saul. Well, uh, I read an article well. I read an article today that said he hardly crossed the halfway line, and he was, uh, you know, and he, he, that's why they were talking about why shooting so bad, because every time he gets forward now, he goes, fuck, there's a goal, shoot. <laughs> You know, because he hasn't crossed the halfway line for Atletico. Simeone made him play in a real defensive central role where he didn't progress. He moved the ball forward, but he sat in front of those two, which is why he's getting excited when he gets in front of goal. I I mean, I'm asking the question. I hope he turns out to be a great player. 
I don't think he's been as bad as what some people think he's been. I don't think he's been as good as what some people think he's been. I, th- I think, like most things at Arsenal, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And I think, it's, as we always talk about, there's a number of factors outside of just the footballer. There's the yeah. coach, there's the players around him, there's the players learning the new game state. And I always think it's very dangerous whenever anyone comes in as a saviour and anyone comes in with with such big raps on them that everyone's saying, this is the guy who's going to change the team. And we suffer terribly at Arsenal from Vieira syndrome. But I think when you had that Russian bird stick her finger up your ass, maybe you should get to take some of the splinters out your ass from sitting on that fucking fence. You know, that's three <laughs> times in this podcast so far you said, he's not as bad, he's not as good. We're not as bad, we're but not that, as good. But that may you very know, well be the case, Darren. Your if you're looking at FIFA ratings, maybe people thought they were, they were buying a, a 92. Right? I don't think he's a 92. I think he's a he's an 84. You know, I just I just think that the 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 is he a, a worldie or is he shit argument is fucking flawed. Right? Because he's not playing in a particularly great team. I'm sure when he signed on from Atletico Madrid, he didn't sign on under the preface that he was going to come into a rebuilding state, be partnered up with a kid from fucking Andelect, have a new defensive partnership behind him and have Two academy players. Uh, in oh, what, front you of thought him he was going to get then, excited by playing alongside uh, Xhaka and El Neni? No, look, maybe he came Sorry, with the there, idea that Arsenal somebody were else buy, was there somebody he else with the idea, at? Darren, that Arsenal were going to buy better fucking players to team him up with rather than putting him in a building phase with a team when he's fucking 29 and he's got to build with that team. By the time this team has got up to a reasonable standard in a year, two years, party will be shot to fucking shit and it will be an absolute waste of a fucking signing anyway. So now you fucking depressed everyone again, Darren. I have a question for you, Darren. I thought, I thought Darren was the positive one out of us lot, but he's turning out to be a right bitch, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, you know, like, as I say, when you're all so down and you're all so negative and you want to sack the manager, I look for some positives, Yeah. But uh, when I'm hearing you two be positive after, you know, we've just scraped a, a nil-nil game against the mighty Brighton and Hove Albion, you know, I'm just thinking, well, fuck, come on, we're better than that. You know, we didn't we didn't come away from that, that unlucky. That's the we thing, though, no, Darren, that. can I just stop you there? That's the thing. Are we better than that? You know, that was everyone, my question. Everyone, everyone is going to be, everyone's saying that we're, you know, we, we're potentially top four, top six, but... Me and Max have said from the start we're probably going to be more top eight this season. We've been more impressed with the results lately because it's like, oh, these are better. We might actually be more of a top six rather than a top eight. But because, you know, at the start of the season, what was you saying? We'll be top four, maybe top five. Did you say at the start of the season? Yeah, yeah I know. I said, I said champions. But then, but then, so when you come to that nil-nil draw against Brighton, you're pissed off where me and Max are like, yeah, that's probably about right. You know, I'm mean, glad that you've, I'm yeah, glad that you've lowered me. your aspirations. I'm glad that you've lowered your it's aspirations. It's not about lowering our aspirations. It's about trying to be a like little bit more realistic in the sense of we're not what we used to be. We're not top four. If you look at the teams above us, especially in the big four teams now at the minute in Chelsea. All right, all right. Let me ask you a question, a supplementary else. question, then. a supplementary question, because you finally just answered my first question. Is my optimism delusional? Yeah. But uh, tell me, give me uh, give me some names, and I know it's difficult because we don't know every player in Brighton, Or, but let me just say, how many players out of Brighton, Burnley, 
Norwich, Brentford would would make there would would you want a, uh, as opposed to one of those players that we had at the weekend? Stupid oh. question. Why? Why is it a stupid question? Because tell me one of those players that were getting those. Well, tell me one it's of their team players. players. That were, different clubs have different expectations. So if Arsenal no, 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 go no, out no, no, no. I'm asking. Forget this. Nothing to do with other clubs. I'm talking about which of the players of those four clubs I mentioned. Which of those players would walk into our side? I think maybe one to one player per team. I think could probably get into. Name me one player from Norwich who would get in our I, side. I don't know. There's none. I mean, come on, let's be realistic, man for man. And we beat them one nil, destroyed them one nil. Yeah, and um, Burnley. Who would, who in that Burnley side would get in our team? And we beat them one nil. Who in the Brentford side? Maybe Tony. Maybe he looks exciting up front. You know, they're they quite a good midfielder, played really well that game. But really, would you have him ahead of Thomas Partey? Carnay would probably walk into our side from Burnley. I thought he, he looks like a decent player. And I think they've got do you get my side. point, though? Man but for yeah, man, against these teams, point. we are better than them. We are better. Man for man, we are better. So if we are not beating these teams, if we're happy and, ex you know, that we've, we've avoided defeat at Brighton, that is wrong. Something wrong with our mentality and something wrong with our team. Because we should be going there to win that game. That is one of the winnable games. Brighton are a bottom half of the table side. Brighton avoided relegation just the last two seasons. I really admire their manager. I think they've had a great start to the season. But that, you know, we, man for man, against these teams, we are better than. And yet we are not able to beat these sides or even put up a good performance against these sides. So then What's wrong? Get on the Arteta out brigade, right? Because if the players are better, and we're getting beaten tactically and we're getting beaten on formations and people are saying, you're getting done in midfield, you need an extra man in midfield. And everyone's screaming, I don't know about you guys, but everyone must have been screaming at their television after half-time, get Aubameyang off. This isn't a game for him. This is a game for Lacazette. And lo and behold, Lacazette comes on on the 71st minute. ESR comes into the hole. They start interchanging. We explode from deep. So, I, I mean... It, we're just going to go around and around and around all season that when the players are bad and they don't execute the game plan, it's the players. And when the players are unable to execute the game plan, it's the fucking manager. You know, it's it's going to be a long, long, long fucking season if we keep looking at, at these two arguments consistently instead of maybe looking at the, the, the third argument, which is what Mike and I are saying, which we said on Twitter straight away, is that last year we fucking lose that. I guarantee you last year we lose that. This year we walk away with a point. And I'll tell you what, the the end the season, Darren, didn't, at the end of every we, season... did we snatch it and win it last year? Lacazette scored the win. No, the, 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 the style of game that we played. This um, style of game, watching, Darren. Yeah. Not, not this game on the calendar. This style of game. When we've been up against it, if we're looking at improvements from the club, I'm looking at the back four. I thought it was a fallacy that Tommy Asu was bad. I thought it was a fallacy that Tommy Asu was bad in this game. I actually thought his defensive stats came up and he only missed something like three tackles. It was just the three times he got roasted. He, got he won 16% of his duels. 16%. Yeah. 16, 1-6. 16%. I love Tom Katsu, whatever you call him. What do you call him? <laughs> I love... Tom. I but love Tom. I think he is going to be an excellent player for us. I really like him. He had a very poor game. 
I don't look he was up against, right. You've got to remember he was up as against, well. He was up against yeah. a very, very good player who was man of the match. And not but only that, but we couldn't call keep a spade the a spade. Ball, Darren. When the ball is constantly coming back and it will not stick to Aubameyang and the fucker won't press and he won't run and you've got Odegaard standing there in a hole not knowing what he's going to do, watching the ball just get lumped over his head because we then shit ourselves... And Ramsdale, who didn't have a great game distribution-wise, who got really, really worried distribution-wise because we were getting so pressed and kept lumping it forward to absolutely nobody. When the ball keeps coming back and you ratchet the pressure up on people so much, you're going to start to see poor performances. So again, I'm not going to sit there and have a go at a particular player for no, having a No, 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 but you game. said he didn't play, he did, you know, he didn't have a bad game. Let's call a spade a spade. There was... Six or seven players in that side that had bad games. They had bad games. Otherwise, we would be beating Brighton and Hove Albion because we are better than them. But Erdegaard was poor. Aubameyang was poor. Party was poor. Tierney was poor. Was poor. Tommy Yasu, as I know, thank you, DWTT. I know how to say it. I just wanted to remember what Max calls him. Was poor. You know, we 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 had a lot of players. Saka was poor. You know, we had five or six players that were poor. You can't say that Tommy Yasu had a good game. I love him. He's just won our September Player of the Month. I think he's going to be a long-term feature for us. I think he's going to be excellent, and he's exactly what we needed. But he had a bad game. He came up yeah. against someone he um, he wasn't used to and he didn't look good at all. I'm sure he'll learn from the experience. I'm sure he'll be better and I hope he will be. And I'm sure he will be because he's got a lot of things. But don't say he had, you don't think you had a bad game. He had a bad game. I think everyone honest. had a fucking bad game. I didn't think he personally had a bad game. Darren, like I said at the top of this show, this whole fucking game, right? Let's take we some positives. Gonna, we weren't going to go out. Our mate rang us. He said, do you want to come to this club? I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't got any money. He says, oh, I've got a bag of pills. So I'm like, all right. So I go to the club. I eat this dodgy gray fucking pill. I spend the whole night in the cubicle munting, fucking unwell. Came out, had a couple of shots, vomit on my shoes, vomit on my fucking pants. And Darren, I still went home with a fat girl called Agatha. I got a point. Had a bad night. Shit pills. Bad night. Can I just just say something quick? Um sentiment put in the thing about players being who would walk into the Arsenal side and he's put on Bissouma I'm not too sure he'd probably walk into the Arsenal side right now because I think he's just done what Max has done and touched someone up on the way out as well um, because I think it's just, you know there's a lot of rumours there that he sexually assaulted someone um, so yeah I don't think he'd be walking into the uh, Arsenal side right now uh, I don't think he's, he's going into the uh, prison 11 I think at the minute but yeah, you know, to what Darren was saying yesterday. Okay, sorry, no, no, I'm, just, game. I'm just reading the why not sentimental that you're referring to. He says five, but that's okay. Two from Brighton, so that means that nine of our players are better than their nine. Yeah, this is my point. Why not? I know that there's some players out there that might be better than ours, but that's the point. Two from Brighton, so nine of ours are better. Yeah, you've got Pope and that from Burnley, okay, but still that means that eight of our players are better than ours. Do you, do you see the point I'm making? It's not well, sack that. Sack the fucking coach then. Sack yeah. the fucking coach then. That, that's the argument you're making, Darren. You're saying sack the coach. You're basically. You're saying, Darren, you're saying. All, Darren, I, you're hear, saying, yeah. all you're I hear saying, is Arteta yeah, out, in it, blood, yeah. in it. Get him out, that's blood. That's all I'm hearing. That's exactly what I was just about to say. All I'm hearing is Arteta out, but not actually hearing Arteta out from Darren. You know, you're saying everything about it, but you're just not Let's actually take saying some the positives words. From this, Arteta yeah. out. Let's take some positives. Just, just How good? Around, 
was how good was Emil Smith Rowe? Very good. Yep. I thought he was particularly good once Lacazette came on and he had someone to give and go with, which is what I said on last week's podcast, that he's not going to penetrate you with a pass, but you need someone to get close to him and actually allow him to be that athletic, Paul Merson-like player, like you said a couple of weeks ago, Darren. Can I um, put, let me ask you this question. If I'm still alive in five years' time, will I be lording, or which player will I be lording? Think of it, five years' time, 2026. Who is going to be the best player, Emil Smith-Rowe or Saka? I think it will be Saka. I think Saka's, tra- I think Saka's trajectory is still, is still higher. Whether they'll be at Arsenal or not is another question completely. Mm, no, well, after just winning their third Champions League on the bounce, of course they'll be at Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> I love this. I love your optimism. <laughs> hey, it's honestly, it's like having a conversation with my wife. What about you, Mike? Um, Smith-Rowe or Saka, five years' time. Think about yeah. it. Smith-Rowe uh, might be a little bit fat. He might, he might have the energy by then to actually shoot when he gets on the end of one of these runs. Uh, you know, he might. He looks tired, doesn't he? He always looks like he doesn't quite have the energy when he gets at the end of that run. That will come. He's only a kid. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm going to agree with Max. I'm going to say Saka as well, but just because I think he has that higher trajectory. I think uh, Smith Rowe hasn't really shown it as much as Saka for the reasons that you've just said there. He doesn't always look like he wants the ball. He, he doesn't always look like he, he always looks like he's tired. You know, it, it, I think it's probably just one of them attitude things, like similar to what Maitland Niles has. You know, he has that laid back attitude. Um, but yeah, I, you know, hopefully he'll come good, Smith Rowe. Hopefully, I'll be changing my mind about that uh, that, that particular one there that you, you say about Saka or Smith Rowe. Tell you who I think has the highest ceiling out of if if we not the Hale M boys, but if we look at that youth bunch that we put together, um, and it's absolutely proved me wrong this year because I had big doubts about him last year is Gabriel. I'm, I'm absolutely blown away by Gabriel this year. I think he's been man of the match or close to man of the match in every single game that we've played. He's an absolute brute. He's a kid. He reads the game really well. He gets a foot in. His distribution down the left channel is good. He wins his headers. He, for me, is that that's that's going to be the signing in a couple of years if we do well that I look back on and I say, wow, what a what a great piece of business from Arsenal to go and get him when we did. Well, it says a lot. Of ever, since, ever since he's come back into the team, we've only actually conceded one goal. Mm. I'll put that down to our goalkeeper. He's changed the mentality of that back four. Were you, just, saying, were you just about to say, Darren, that he reminds you of Colo Torre? He reminds yeah, yes. me, uh, uh, Gabby, reminds I'm, me I'm an not... awful lot of Colo Torre. I'm not a big. Um, I'm not. I've not been a great Gabriel fan. When I watched him last year up close, um, live at the stadium, he, I thought he's. He, he, he just looks like he's got a mistake in him. He was a little bit uncomfortable on the ball, a little bit nervous. Um, I didn't think his distribution was very good. But what I love about him this year is his attitude. He's he's got that win at all costs mentality. I'm not saying that makes him a great player, but it enough give him an edge. And I think backed with the goalkeeper. Um, I think it's there's just something a little bit they they want clean sheets you know they're they're sliding in they're making challenges they as a unit when we saw that first goal in against Manchester City 
the heads dropped and everything was miserable and you know we went on to get battered Xhaka gets sent off and everything goes to tits but I thought that team they don't want to let in goals and I don't think if one went in early that they would just fall to pieces like we did at the start of the season with different personnel I think he's got something about it reminds me of Colo Toure yeah that's the thing, isn't it? Because ever since, well, since the Man City game, we've had a completely different back line, including the keeper. So, it, you know, making that change has done wonders at the minute for our back, for our uh, defensive tactics. You know, with barring Tierney, I think everyone else has changed. You know, we've got Tommy Asu now, we've got Gabriel, we've got Ben White, and now you've got a new goalkeeper in Ramsdale. So, yeah, that whole back line's changed. It's brought a new attitude, hasn't it? It's brought a new sense of. <clears throat> confidence as well for not actually conceding. You know, I've I've said it a couple of times now that I've never felt worried ever since we've had these players in in this back line. I've not actually been worried every time the ball come. You know, when the teams press against us, I don't feel as worried as what I did with. We used to concede so many goals, Mike. Yeah, uh, second balls that we weren't intense enough to get out to and win the second balls. And Tommy Arsu gets out and he wins his second ball. And Gabriel gets out and he wins his second ball. And if it's pinging around the box, they're super fucking intense. It's like all the best parts of Socrates without all the shit that came with Socrates. Mm. You know, that that's yeah, that's the way I, I kind of see it. It's a nice little uh, comment here from DWTT just saying, is Gabriel's growth due to Louise Arteta assistance or both? I think you have to put it down to something has happened, whether it's the communication, whether it's the speaking English, whatever it might be, because last year I really felt like he was an all-action hero who got hung out quite a lot. I also thought last year he was very square-shouldered. You know, yeah, he reminded quite, me of Kolasinac. Yeah, he, he, yeah quite yeah. easy to get past. If you knocked it past him, he was a bit slower on the turn. And this year I've seen him very fast on the turn, running people down, getting those shoulder-to-shoulder challenges in. So it's very possible. I mean, look. I think one of the issues. I think one of the issues on that side is that both Tierney and Gabriel are both a bit square, and they're both a bit clumsy. And that you know, that's why we don't feed out that way like we we do on the right. I think that's a problem, but it was something we can work on. Um, I just want to answer DWTT's thing about um, was Gabriel's growth due to Louise Arteta, the assistance, or both? We can't all criticise the manager, and then all of those things are down to the manager. It's David Luiz was brought in by Arteta. Arteta's there. They're Arteta's assistants. So that's Arteta's team. So if there's been some growth and development in Gabriel, it's through Arteta. It's through our manager. Certain things he's not doing very well. Certain things he's not got right. But let's look at some of the things he has got right. Since he's joined our side, Saka, Smithrow and the Howland boys have generally done well. Um, he's got rid of some shit out of our side and he's brought in some good young players. You know, I'm excited by those players that he's brought in. So that question is down to Arteta because Luis was down to Arteta and his, the assistants are down to Arteta. I've just had a look at the time. We've got about 10 minutes left. Can I, if, unless anyone's got anything else, I just want to um, throw something out. I've got... Okay, I've got something. I've got, yeah, okay, go on, go on, Max. I, do, I, just, I just wanted to touch on this before it kind of gets lost in the wayside. So I wanted to ask you, Darren, Early on the season, I was very, very harsh critic on Aubameyang for not being pressy enough, not working hard enough and being a one-dimensional striker. We then go to Tottenham and he absolutely crushes it, presses his balls off, works his ass off, does really well. You said the difference was 60,000 in the crowd and the home crowd. I said I felt like 
Aubameyang can get up for certain games that suit him, but once the game doesn't suit him, he drops his head. What did you think of the Aubameyang performance? I thought it was really, really pivotal, the fact that the ball would not stick to him and it kept coming back. And what are your, what are your thoughts now on, on Aubameyang? If I'm honest, if I'm really, really honest, I wouldn't have played him in that game at all. I think that was a game that I'm a, I'm a Lacazette fan. I think Lacazette holds the ball up a little better. He's not brilliant at it, but he holds the ball up a little better. And because he comes deep, it gives us just that little extra option of of switching the ball out wide. It can go to him out wide. It can go out wide because he draws the central defenders with him. Um, you know, I'm sure that Arteta's thinking was that we'll hit them on the break and then, Arteta, you know, Aubameyang is one of those players with so much pace and we've got so much fluency going forward like we saw against Spurs. That's why he played him. But personally, I would have had Lacazette in that side from the start. That isn't uh, Aubameyang's type of game. Aubameyang? I keep, who's, that, who's the guy we sold to, um, uh, to Manchester City? Uh, Adebayor. I keep thinking I'm saying the wrong players now. <laughs> I just think that um, Lacazette would have suited that game better. And I'm, every time Lacazette's played this year, he's almost scored. And I just thought that that was one that he should have done from the start. Give him some minutes. It was a horrible, wet day. And the only excuse I'm giving is to Ramsdale for that because it's a bit hard to catch the ball when it's windy and wet. But Lacazette is a little bit tougher than Aubameyang. And I think Lacazette would have suited that sort of a way, gritty sort of performance better. Mike, well, I think that goes back Ram to my sales, comment about the, the save the, as well in that game. Mike, I think that goes well. back to my comment with Arteta about the lack of agility from Arteta or the rigidity that he seems to have. Um, did, were you like me? Were you in that game just screaming at the fucking television saying, I need something else, but we need a different striker? Yeah, I was pretty much saying it before half time. Um, I was pretty probably similar to you guys as well with the thing sense of like, yeah, as soon as Lacazette came on, the game changed completely. You know, it was definitely. And he did bring him on either. early. You know, he brought him on yeah, after he brought him an on hour. Early, uh, he took off Erdegaard quite early, and uh, you know, and he, he brought on Lacazette, and you you got that sense of the game's completely changed here. It's it changed in our favour. You know, we had more attempts going forward. We had better attempts going forward. Uh, so yeah, it's, it just makes more sense. But like like we said before, Arteta's got one game plan and one game plan only. Uh, he, has, he, he hasn't looks, got that he, plan look, B. You say I'm saying everything Arteta out in all but uh, words. Um, if Erdegaard and Party had played well, we may have won that, won that game. That's not the manager's fault. We can we can question I'm his not, decision. I'm not that. We can question his decision about Lacazette, Aubameyang, his substitutions when he made them. But if uh, Erdegaard and party had had good games, and I'm only talking about seven out of ten rather than nine out of tens. If those two had seven out of tens and we had actually bossed the midfield and we had linked our defence with our attack, we may well have won that game. It's not the manager's the count, fault. The counter, argument to good that is, Mike, the counter argument to that is, Darren, they, the, if it was clear to everyone that we were a man short in midfield, then why weren't those guys given the extra man in midfield? I, I'm just saying it's horses for courses. You can look at them and say they had a bad game. But the game state's completely different to the week before, and it's the manager who has to do his scouting and understand what the team's going to put up and what they have to do. So I'm, I'm not saying one is more to blame than the other, but with splinters in my ass, Darren, I'm saying that there's something very, very much on the fence there about whether or not Arteta is capable of looking at a game and saying, this isn't a game for Aubameyang. He's just come off a real massive... And I get it. You're off a massive high at Tottenham. 
it's very unlikely that you're then going to turn around to a guy who's played that well at Tottenham and say, oh, go go park it on the bench. I'm putting on Lacquer. It's a really yeah, good He rewarded that team. I he rewarded this, the Darren, team that played Spurs. It's good I management. I will say this, Darren. If he makes those two changes, he makes a change at 61 minutes 63. and he makes a change. And he makes another one at 70 minutes, which is actually quite early for Arteta because we've all been complaining he makes changes very, very late. And we look better when those changes come on. If Lacazette and ESR then go and combine and ESR bangs that goal in, this podcast is a very different podcast. And we're saying we've finally seen Arteta make changes. We've seen him go to plan B. We've seen him make the game state different. So, well, you know, as... Yeah, but it didn't it didn't come off for him, but the changes he made affected the game. That's what I was saying. When Lacazette came on, the game changed completely. That was good. So I'm just good saying goals, goals change perceptions. If Lacker comes on and scores. It, sorry, it, sorry, you just said that when he brought Lacazette. I said when, yeah, on, when Lacazette, and Lacazette came on, it changed on. the game completely. But I never and said he it brought, was good management. And he brought him on you were early. just saying a minute ago, which I agreed with, that Lacazette should have been on from the start. Yeah, that was my personal choice. Yeah, but he, he's rewarded a winning side, hasn't he? He's rewarded the side that did so well. That's that's fair. You know, he's kept... We played extremely but well. But you've we also got to think of the, the well. team that's in front of you as well. It's okay rewarding the winning side, but you've also got to look at the team in front of you. If the team in front of you is completely different to the team that you've just beaten, you go to the team that you feel that's going to win that game and win the, and win the game for you and play in them different tactics and then different roles that they use where when we saw Lacazette came on he completely you know he doesn't he's not Aubameyang he doesn't run after the ball he doesn't wait for that he doesn't hang on to the last man's shoulders waiting for the ball to come over the top or a through ball coming through it he works and when he came on you saw that he worked for the ball he worked in that lower you know lower end of the forwards in, in the halfway line moving it forward and everything else so you've got to play for the game not play for the winning team Two comments there. We've got a young manager, and I've said over and over and over again, the hardest thing for any manager in any business, the experience comes in man managing. Most of us, by the time we move into a management position, understand what's actually required to do the job, but the ability to keep people happy, to man manage people, to know when to push people, pull people, rest people, play different teams, that's something that's maybe very difficult for us to expect of Arteta at this juncture in his career. My second argument being it is very, very difficult to pull players who have just gone and beaten Tottenham in a North London derby. Very, very, very difficult to turn around to those players and say, well done, biggest win in my tenure, our best win of the year, but you can all fuck off now. I'm going to pull it apart. But in saying that, Mike, a strong manager, a, a, you know, a really, really dominant manager, you want him to be able to sit there and give over a tap on the arse and say, great job last week. It's pissing down with rain. It's not your game. I'm going to bring you on at 60 minutes and you can have a really good run at them. So, again, I know this entire podcast, Darren, it sounds like I've sat on the fence, but, you know, these decisions as such toss of well, it's point. it's only one. I mean, that was. I think we all would have chosen that team with who was available, yeah. except for me, I would have had Lacazette in. And that's, that's with a big, big pinch of hindsight. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, after... Um, after an hour, I thought, you know, Aubameyang's got to come off. <laughs> so did I'd have, I'd, have played, I'd have played Pepe. I think I would have put Smithrow on the bench, who I didn't think was particularly effective in the first half, and I'd have, and I'd have put Pepe on the on the wing. But you don't change a winning team. 
All right, so you wouldn't have played the player who was our best player. Okay. The player who was our best player, I didn't think was our best player until Odegaard came off and he went into a number 10 position. So I didn't think he was our best player as a, as a left winger. I didn't think he did a particularly good job tracking back and helping Tierney. I didn't think he did a particularly good job offering Sambi anything extra. I just thought that there were lots of domino effects in this. And there were different visions of the game that you saw based on on the different game states that happened within the game. It's not all black and white, Darren. It's not all just this person's fucking good and this person's shit. And if you want to keep yelling about Arteta out, well, you might as well go join all your friends at fucking AFTV, mate. I look forward to Arteta picking up the first of those Champion League's trophies very, very soon. Something I just want to quickly touch on. We're done an hour and I'd like to finish up an hour. But... Um, the news today that uh, Newcastle United look like they're going to be bought by the fucking richest country in the world, which makes Roman, right, makes Roman Abramovich look like a fucking homeless bum with a begging bowl outside an underground station. You know, these have got so much money that it is going to change the face of football. Mike Ashley has run that club in profit so they can go and spend what they fucking like for three years. Uh, are we fucked? The deal's done, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, the takeover's complete. Saudi yeah. led, a Saudi Arabian-led consortium. Okay, yeah, I listened to it all this morning when it was about to happen and then I just got so yeah, bored I with mean, listening it was to got, it. It got done about an hour ago completely. But I think like, the so comment I heard Simon so the Jordan... the Premier League make, have signed it off. Yeah, Simon Jordan said he's got more money than God. You know, this is really... This is just a ridiculously rich country that have bought a football club. Uh, are we fucked? Can I just say, firstly, couldn't happen, to a, couldn't happen to a better club, right? As far as I'm concerned, like it couldn't happen to a better club in the Premier League. I would so much rather fucking someone going fans get on my tits. Someone Newcastle going fans. Do you know what? Yeah, Before they went. 16,000 they had fucking six years ago before they went down when they were playing shit. Fucking two now. Ambitions above their station. Fuck them. Anyway, I would much prefer it happen that way where someone comes in and buys a club that deserves it, a club that has <sighs> history, a club that has a fan base that has history. I would rather that What's than going history? and flying over the top What's and going insane. What's their history? They've played an important part in the... They've been in the Premier League almost the entire time. It was football before the Premier League. They've never won oh, it. Fuck you. Fuck you What's their history? cantankerous today, Darren. What's their history? Fucking, I won't take that. It's just... Oh, they've come with their history. They've got a great fan base. I like that. So have Leeds. So have Sheffield United. So have Sheffield Wednesday. You know, there's lots of clubs with big fan bases. Oh, they deserve it because of their history. What history? They won't fuck all. I think they won the league last time before Tottenham. So fucking shit they are. Their history. And they were last win the FA Cup. At nineteen seventy-four. Dunno. Fuck all their history. Load of bollocks. Come on, let's go. You're done. Are you, no, are you I, I, down I'm not really that arsed and if I'm being honest, yeah, it's probably good for the Newcastle fans and whatever else, but other than that, I'm not overly asked about it. Is as it made us fucked, yeah, probably. Probably just another team we've got to get past to get to the next le uh, next level, isn't it? Uh, sooner or later. Well, but I'm thinking we'll, about so, it, we'll I mean, soon find out when they start bringing players in. Does it does it fuck us, Darren? If they, does it fuck us, Darren? If they do a city, well, how many years did it take City to climb up the three or four? It took Chelsea yeah, a couple. 
took Chelsea a couple of years of Ranieri and a, oh, it's going to take three years. It's going to, you know, it's not instant. Who's going to want to go to Newcastle, even though they've got great history? Who's going to want to fucking go to Newcastle uh, unless they're earn, earning a shitload of money? That's that's and what players are available? There's not yeah. going to be any big players in January want to go, and they're going to have to do what Manchester City did and buy the Adebayors and Nasri's of the world yeah. to try and get to the next level. Yeah, the, the real I hope they get fucking relegated. And, this and year. don't don't forget the don't forget the money blown on um what was his name fucking Rubinio, was it Rubinio? He went there and did fuck all. He was you know they player. went <laughs> they went and bought all these fucking different players. Can I just say that I think I the, real relegated. Farce, the real farce here is financial fair play. No, 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 no. They will hit financial fair play. But if you listen to what I said at the start, Mike. Ashley has run that club as a profitable business for the last three years. They have no issues with financial fair play. They can go and spend 100 billion on a new training ground because that's nothing to do with financial fair play. And it will take three years before they final financial fair play will catch up with them because they've been run at a profit. They can spend as much as they like the three years, then they get into some issues. But in three years, they may be successful enough to then get out of it. Yeah. Okay. So, not issue. Our best chance is they get relegated this year. They keep Steve Bruce. They uh, can't sign anyone in January because who's going to want to go to the club, even though they've got great history? Who's going to want to go up to play at Newcastle in January? It rains there. It's fucking cold. Right. To answer your question, Darren, in just no. <laughs> a very small amount where you said, are we fucked? If you go back to what I said last week again, if you look at the successful teams in the Premier League over the last decade, it has been the teams who have taken the billionaire boys model. It has been the people who have gone and spent the most money and have built the teams outside of Liverpool, who I actually think did it in quite a well-structured manner. They had an asset. They sold on that asset. They invested quite well. They got a good coach. But they're coming to the end of a run now with players who are coming off contract and getting older. And they're going to very much struggle to sell those players without having the massive Barcelona teams, the massive Real Madrid teams to come in and save them and offer them £100 million for ageing players. So in saying that, are we fucked? I didn't think that we were going to win the Premiership any time in the next five or six years anyway because of the type of model that we're on. So unless we are bought by an equal or at least spendier billionaire, because don't forget, we have a billionaire. We have our own billionaire. He just doesn't well, this is a, this is this is the the bit I, I don't want to go. On. Maybe we'll do this on another day. But this is the point. I think. How does Cronky? How does uh, the Glazers? How does you know the um, Levy? How do they look at this now? Because our, our owner really must be looking at this. In my opinion, our owner must look at this and think, "Fuck." You got Chelsea with all their money. You got City with all their money. You got United spending hundreds of millions. Um, we're going to be nothing. In, in, in you got now. You got a Newcastle. There's only so many good players. Is he thinking, right, I'm either going to have to invest three or four hundred million in this project or sell it to somebody who... But it's not three or four hundred million, Darren. This is the argument I was making to someone on Twitter the other day. It's three or four hundred million every two to three years for a five-year period to get to the top. Well, that's twice. It's not, it's just, it's, it's not, I'm just saying. It's, it's every not, two or three years over a five-year period, that's twice. Fuck me. Then a six-year period, you fucking cantankerous. <laughs> no, no, my point is, is that they can do this uh, January, summer, January, summer, January, summer, and spend a billion. It will, it will, yeah. they can do that. Yeah. So a billion, 
is our loose change down the back of the sofa. For our these billionaire guys. is not going to spend in a model that isn't self-sustaining. That is the difference. You're either spending in a model that's self-sustaining or you're spending in a model that's not self-sustaining. You know, so at, at no point did I think, I actually said last week, I don't think I'll see Arsenal win a premiership in my lifetime. You not under the <laughs> not under not under this not under this ownership. So it's like we said last week, Darren. Uh, we are going I to can say to that. We are going Come to on. have to start enjoying we're going to have to start finding a way to enjoy our football as long as the Cronkies are in charge, because they're not going to change their model. As long as the Cronkies are in charge, as long as they're who owns us, we are going to have to enjoy a good FA Cup run, maybe a Europa League trophy, because we are not with a self-sustaining self model, unless we get very, very, very lucky with four or five youth products coming through to beat worldies, we are not going to win something and we're not going to complete with what was four yeah, superpowers. My question was, I did say, my question was, will, will they be looking at this because they have, they want to run a self-sustaining model? They've already pumped lots of money in, in the last two years, you know, over and above the self-sustaining model. And they've given, you know, they've spent 70 million on Pepe. They bought party for 50 million. They've spent another 50 million on a centre half. This, this isn't self-sustaining. We're eighth in the fucking table. We can't afford it. Yeah, we're not in, we're not in Europe. We're not, we can't, we can't afford the players. So they are supporting the club financially in the last couple of transfer windows, which is great. But are they going to look at this? But me, there's another two or three hundred million we'll need every year now to to compete. Or do you think he's likely to go, do you know what, that Daniel Ek who uh, wanted to buy the club, maybe it is time for me to bow out of English football. I think football. that's a lot more likely, Darren, that we've maybe got two or three years of the Cronkies left. Yeah. Okay, can Fingers we go? Well, yeah. I don't, it, Daniel Ek ain't going to be the answer, is he? Because he's not, he's not half as rich as them. Well, he's not even a quarter of as rich as that people who just bought Newcastle. No, no. He's, he's down in the, the Abramovich League. Yeah, He's, yeah. he's a beggar on a doorstep of a <laughs> underground you station. You pauper. You pauper. Incidentally, guys, I did not say the word cunt this episode. So there you go. It's in the last minute. Fuck you all. an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button.